If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's your daily dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. It is Wednesday, January 10th. In what could possibly be, and tell me if I'm alone here, the slowest, longest week of my life. I don't know about you guys, but it really does feel like it's a week that will never end. I don't know if it's our first full week back after a few shorter weeks, but man, when I, when I woke up this morning, I was like, thank God it's Friday. Oh, no, it's only Wednesday. So we got some time ahead of us before the end of this week, but uh, getting through it. I've been spending a lot of my after work hours, like after doing the show hours, coaching and helping clients because a lot of you guys have reached out to me and want to work with me individually to build your podcast, to grow your podcast. So I've gotten a lot of new clients. I appreciate you guys. If you're interested in actually starting your own podcast for your brand, for your business, for whatever it is that you want to do, um, or also need YouTube help or anything, I do that. I've done that way before I did Daily Dose of Donna. That is my uh, you know, bread and butter business uh, before this podcast jumped in. So if you are interested in that, you can always reach out, send me an email, um, a DM on Instagram. I'll give you more information that way through the website, dailydosepod.com. You can contact me any of those ways. You always can. And that reminds me also is that I have my merch. A couple orders just came in this morning and I was like, I haven't talked about my merch in so long. I've got so many fun things. I love my daily doser cup. I use it every single day for my water or whatever I'm drinking at the moment. Um, another one of my favorites is a sweatshirt. It's in the wash right now, but it's a white sweatshirt and it says in my Bravo era and it makes me so happy. Um, and then I have founding member of the Bravo cult, which I just love considering how much we talk about cult stuff in this show. And then also Bravo. It's a nice little connection. So make sure to go over to dailydosepod.com slash store. You can buy your own merch. You can, you can support the show in any way you want to. Um, and it supports me and this whole project, this whole Daily Dose project. So thank you so much. You know who else supports me? The lovely sponsor of this week's episode. And that is Kitsch. Okay, you guys, Kitsch is the, the brand that we all need to be purchasing all the time. 
not only does it have incredible pieces of, you know, incredible products for your hair, for your skin, for your sleep, for your eyes, all these things, but it's so affordable. They say that hair care is the new skincare, but there is one brand that has taken it to the next level because with a cult-like following, Kitsch has created game-changing essentials beauty enthusiasts swear by. From satin pillowcases, which I have, and to time-saving towels, which I also have, Kitsch has knows hair care doesn't stop in the shower. Game-changing. That's what Kitsch's biggest fans say about its time-saving beauty essentials for hair, skin, and body. Like I just said, I have that um, towel. It's time-saving hair-drying towel. So basically, I have very, very thin hair. My hair does dry really fast. But the problem with it is that I don't, you know, spend my days, like, for a long time, um, you know, I don't let my, um, what's it called? my hair dry for a long, I, I need to dry it like with a blow dryer pretty fast. Cause if I don't, it becomes a frizzy mess. So I have to like towel dry it really fast after I shower. I just spilled water all over my legs. Huh. Okay, hold on. Let me take a sip and put this down. So, um, what I was doing was I was putting my full body towel on my hair. Like so many of us do, right? You, you dry your body off and then you wrap your hair and then you put your clothes on. Problem was I was taking off that towel and guess what was happening? A lot of my hair was coming out with it, right? A lot of my hair was coming out with it. And so because of that, I started to realize, you know, that towel is too heavy. So I started to use a t-shirt. And then I realized the t-shirt's not drying my hair at all. So I'll take off the t-shirt and my hair will still be a sopping mess. Enter Kitsch's time-saving towel. It's a small little towel that wraps around, collects, like you can put it around your hair. You kind of wrap, and then there's a little hook, and it just stays there. It's like a little crown. It's not crazy. It's not big. It doesn't fall off when you're walking around your house. It's amazing. So if you guys want things like that, you can go to kitsch.com slash Donna. That's my Kitsch, K-I-T-C-H dot com slash Donna, D-A-N-A for 30% off your order. So I'm not ashamed to say I've used my own discount code on plenty of things. Love myself some kitsch. All right, you guys. Um, lots of messages I'm seeing jump in. Do I ship to the UK? We ship everywhere for my uh, merch. Also, I'm getting a lot of, uh, you look so happy today. I will say something. A lot of you are saying the same thing. You look much brighter today. You look so happy today. Listen, um, I would say in life, when you go through challenging times, it's very roller coaster, right? You have good days, you have bad days. And um, sometimes, you know, a good conversation with someone or a good uh, workout or a good night of sleep, like all those things really help you process things very differently. So you guys are so intuitive, all of you. And thank you again for all of your messages on the Facebook group and the love and the support. Um, it does make a difference in someone's life when they're going through a hard time. Okay. so. Obviously, today's episode is going to be about the reunion, right? Did you watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reunion part one? Did we watch it? I'm assuming we did because there's nothing really else on on Monday nights, Tuesday nights, right? Tuesday used to be Winter House too, but that's not on. I think there's a Below Deck or two, but I'm not watching Below Deck right now. Um, Below Deck is a good show for me to like binge, right? When I have nothing going on and I can watch like a whole season of a Below Deck right at one time. So obviously we all watched the reunion, um, part one, most of us. And then I watched a little bit of watch what happens live. And then I went on a crazy busy Phillips deep, deep dive. So I'll get into that in a second. Um, just a couple random stories, nothing huge. Uh, what did you guys think about, you know, tonight is Beverly Hills, real housewives of Beverly Hills is on tonight. And, 
I personally, um, of course, I'm excited for it. That's my favorite. Real, well, Salt Lake City and Beverly Hills are my favorites right now. And a lot of like pieces of the show keep getting kind of like dripped into the the news. And then it gets written up. Like, for example, that Kyle would date a woman. Kyle and Dorit pretend to scissor in the next episode of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, and then another piece of news and a little like preview that came out was the whole Dorit PTSD conversation that she has with PK. We've seen this in the previews. We know that this is coming. I didn't realize it was also with what seems like maybe a therapist or a trauma coach or something like that, a woman named Sarah. So in this scene, we have this woman, Sarah, who seems to be some sort of a professional with Dorit and PK sitting, I, it looks like in their backyard. Dorit's accent is top notch in the scene. She's PKing through the scene. You know how Dorita is, right? Sometimes she's just Dorit and sometimes she's Dorit. PK. And they're talking about PTSD. Now, I'm sure we all have struggled from some sort of PTSD, um, whether that's like a tragic, devastating type of PTSD where, you know, a robbery, a murder, God forbid, something, you know, really, really personal that like completely transformed your life, some sort of abuse, et cetera. Also, a lot of us have PTSD from things that we're not even aware were super traumatic. For example, a child's divorce, like a divorce, right? A really bad um, situation, fight with your parents when you were a kid, whatever. So PTSD comes up for a lot of us in different ways. And I think you realize PTSD when you realize how triggered you are by certain things and it reminds you of situations before, which is what my Patreon was all about this last week. Um, and you start to kind of like develop, like you, you almost go backwards and you start to go into that body of where you were in that time and it's hard to snap out of it. And so I would imagine if I was Dorit, and I do believe, I don't know why she was, like, I don't know if this robbery that she had where the two men came into her house and, and you know, kind of had her at gunpoint when her kids were sleeping in the other room. I don't know if it was premeditated by someone. I don't know if it was planned. I know there's a lot of theories out there. What I do know is that no matter what, I don't think Dorit was in on it. I think Dorit was 100% shocked and surprised by that experience. Tell me if you guys agree. And I think she really honestly is struggling as I would. The other night, like an alarm goes off in my house, right? When we're like kind of getting ready for bed, the kids are already sleeping. Your brain goes to worst case scenario. Oh my God, I have someone, an intruder in the house. I can't imagine what, what kind of anxiety and what that would cause if it actually happened. Right? So I am team Dorit on this one, but it's very strange how PK talks about it in the preview and we'll watch it tonight to find out more about it. But he said, you know, some, some of Dorit's, Dorit, Dorit, I can't do his accent. So I, maybe I won't even try, but he says some of Dorit's, um, you know, behavior is PTSD and some of it just comes off high maintenance and obnoxious. So for whatever reason, he's, trying to find some sort of like through line or similarity between high maintenance and PTSD. He thinks a lot of her behavior like, oh no, I need the bronzer from Sunset Beach or why didn't we get the presidential suite PK? They cut to a couple of scenes of her saying that during that pretty woman night. 
And he's using those examples of her saying that it's all because of PTSD. But I don't remember Dorit ever saying, I need the bronzer from Sunset Beach because of PTSD. Like, I think, I think in this case, PK is literally just using an excuse of like, oh, now's the time to really just like question Dorit on everything she does that bothers me. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't find it really like under, I couldn't understand what the connection between PTSD and high maintenance is because the only thing I can think of is like, if Dorit is like, I need to know how many people are going to be at this event tonight before I always go. That's not high maintenance. That's just getting preparation. That's preparing yourself for expect, like expecting what you're, you know, or setting your expectations, I should say. So some of you guys think, I think she was always um, high maintenance and now it's bugging him. Very possible. I mean, I stand by the fact that I believe from two sources that I told you were very legitimate that Dorit and PK absolutely did separate. He absolutely moved out. And I think that they're working on their marriage and coming back together. I do. From what I'm seeing, from what I'm seeing on her social media, at least. So listen, relationships and marriages, they go through crazy stages. And especially when you have a reality show and and paparazzi and fame and then tragedy and all this stuff, like, what are you going to do? You know, you're going to go through ups and downs. I like the fact that they're working on it. Hopefully they are. We'll see what happens. Now, a lot of you guys are really off to read after the whole experience with Garcelle from last week. I definitely talked to you guys all about that. So we don't need to get so much into it. I wonder if they touch on it more this week. Um, it's really divided the fans, right? A lot of people are very pro Dorit and a lot of people are very, very pro Garcelle in that divide. And I can see both sides. Absolutely. Um, but I'm on this one, I'm going to go for Garcelle if I had to, I don't want to be like team blank or team blank, but just being, um, just coming from a position of not understanding why you get triggered as being something when the other person is not. And they're like, but I don't get it. Like, why does that, you know, whatever. Okay. It doesn't matter. We're not going there. Um, But Beverly Hills will be on tonight. So we will watch that. Now let's just touch on another story before we get into the uh, reunion. Have you guys been following the Tamara and Vicky drama? So, you know, I talked about how trade, wait, by the way, so funny. One of you guys on the Facebook group, Allie, shout out my ultra marathoner. Allie said, Donna, like I missed out on something, um, on an opportunity because the other day on my YouTube, when I talked about Trace Amigas breaking up, I talked about the big Tamara and Shannon and Vicky breakup. My header on the YouTube said, Trace Amigas no more or Trace Amigas no more. And she said, I should have said Trace Amigos no mas. And I really miss that opportunity. So, you know, I'm going to try to do better with my puns. A lot of times when you're in a a state of um, maybe lacking of sleep or depression or going through something hard, you're just not as funny. It's just the way it is. So I'm going to get it back, guys. I'm going to get it back for you. You deserve a funny pun. A punny fun. Okay. Vicky and Teddy and Tamara. I say Vicky and Teddy and Tamara because I have not seen Shannon jump in at all, at all. But I absolutely know that Vicky and Tamara are head to head. Teddy and Vicky have always been head to head. And therefore, it's now becoming Teddy and Tamara against Vicky, where for a while it was just Teddy against Vicky and Tamara would have to kind of play the middle. Now, in my opinion, I do believe that 
in my opinion, I do believe that Tamara always has known that Vicky and her have not been that close. And Tamara has always felt like she and Vicky are friends for business or for the show. I know Teddy personally, and I know her as a friend personally, not just to myself, but to a lot of my girlfriends who she's very, very close with. And I believe Teddy's probably a really good friend to Tamara. And she's always been really um, there for her. So I would, I have to say that I think, you know, Tamara probably has Teddy's back more than Vicky's back. Okay. That's my guess before all of this. So obviously the big drama happened over the weekend where Vicky announced that she and Shannon are no longer going to be with Trace Amigas. <laughs> Excuse me. Are no longer going to be with um, Tamra, the three of them. And then they're going to go off and do their own thing. Teddy and Tamra announced that they're doing a two teas in a pod live tour. They're going to go live in San Francisco. And, um, and since then it's just been drama. I just know that Teddy and Tamara released an episode of their two teas. I did not watch it or listen to it, but I saw on, um, on their, you know, Instagram and I'll listen to it later, but apparently, you know, Teddy and Tamara are obviously, you know, standing up for themselves in this case and going against Vicky. Tamara is saying that Vicky has never really been there for her. She's never really supported her, which is true. You guys, I hate to say this because I like Vicky a lot as like a character. Shein Yen. Uh, someone just said that. That's so funny. Shein Yen. Sounded like I have like a little bit of like a tick or something. Shein Yen out of nowhere. Um, Vicky was so unsupportive of two teas in a pod so unsupportive of this podcast because she wasn't asked to be on it. This was what Teddy is saying. Um, this was Teddy's podcast first. She brought Tamara on it. So I think Vicky was devastated that she wasn't, you know, partnering up with Tamara for this. But I think Teddy and Tamara make such a better pair than it would have been if it was Tamara and Vicky. It just would have felt like a little bit of a hot mess. But basically... Um, Teddy was, Teddy and Tamara posted a little clip of them talking about how Vicky has never really been supportive. And Vicky responded saying, all lies. I never said any of this about Teddy. And she spelled Teddy wrong, T-E-D-D-I-E. And then she said, she is invisible to me. And then Teddy says, just because you spell my name wrong doesn't make it true. But since we're in the era of receipts, proof, timeline, screenshots, Frickin' Heather Gay, what a boss. Here you go. And it's screenshots of a text between, or a DM between Vicky and Tamara. Tamara. And basically Vicky is saying, um, Tamara posted like the three of them, you know, the three, Emily and Teddy and herself and wrote Tress. This was over the weekend. And Vicky says, are you effing? And everything's spelled wrong, by the way, from Vicky's end. Like, you would think that this wouldn't be her because it's so, like, the grammar and the spelling is out of control. But she goes, are you effing kidding me? Shame on you. And, well, I guess Tamara, too, because Tamara wrote, shame in me for what? Like, what's going on there? Is everyone just, like, really high on Vena CBD or drunk? Like, why can't they <laughs> communicate well? And Vicky goes, you are not a good person. We had the Trace Amiga show locked down with Paris and the gall of you to say uno dos tres with the B-I-T-C-H, Teddy. And now adding Emily, 
You are truly a traitor. Good luck. Then Vicky says, and I don't know what Tamara responded here, but this next screenshot is Vicky saying, to say I talk about Eddie is 10 years ago is no tip. Okay, I'm literally reading it word for word, so it's not going to sound like good grammar. To say I talk about Eddie is 10 years ago is no different than you saying I lied about cancer. You have talked crap from crap about crap about me for years, and I thought we got over it and moved past it. You are so far up Teddy's ugly ass. It's disgusting. Everyone sees it. And then Tamara responded, we use each other with like a head, hand to head emoji. That's the biggest crock of shit. We are great friends and she is always there for me. And then Tamara separately um, in December had posted that she was going to be on Traders. So in December on on. Twitter, she said, you don't want to miss this three weeks out from the Traders U.S. season two premiere. See you January 12th on Peacock. Oh, which is today's, it's Friday. That's exciting. I'll watch that with the kids. Um, And Vicky wrote, perfect show for you. And Tamara said, thank you. I'm honored to be on an Emmy winning reality show with some of the biggest names in the industry. Sorry, you didn't get the call. Better luck next time. Oh, You guys, I have to say it's really, really fun watching this drama go down. I know that that sounds mean. I know that that sounds crazy, but it is fun to watch the the drums go down. Meanwhile, I know Teddy is out of town. She's with Kyle Richards and some of their mutual friends. A lot of you guys don't know where, um, if Morgan Wade is in this Mexico beach trip for Kyle's birthday, but I have no idea. I have no idea. I, someone said she was there, but she's not on any of the pictures. So I don't know if that's intentional. Um, oh my gosh. So Kelly Dodd. Oh, I don't even want to get so much into this, but Kelly Dodd has been talking really badly about Tamara all over her, um, you know, YouTube show. And she has her own relationship with Tamara. So obviously they have beef. Um, but you know, she's definitely, Tamara is saying that Vicky has been feeding information about Tamara to Kelly Dodd and Kelly Dodd has been putting it out there. So I don't know. It it feels very uh, shady. It feels shady, right? It just feels like it's too much. It's too much. All right. Uh, Debbie says, who's watching Portia? This is the question that none of us will understand. Mauricio is out there living his best life. I saw someone, um, the Bravo historian, Samantha Bush, she posted on her um, Twitter, I think it was, like a picture of Mauricio. And she's like, this is prime Bumble energy. Like this is prime getting out of a long-term marriage Bumble energy because he's posting like lots of selfies. like, And he's like, skiing in the morning, real estate at night. I think it's so funny. Okay. Oh, Teddy did mention on the podcast that Morgan Wade is on the trip. So why is she not in any pictures, I'm wondering? Are they trying to keep that secret? Obviously not if she's mentioning on the podcast. All right. Let's move on till reunion time. Okay. I would say in general, you guys tended, tended, tend, um, you guys seemed to be pretty disenchanted with episode one of the reunion, but I never expect a lot from episode one of any reunion. If you remember, Vanderpump Rules episode one reunion was the most boring hour of TV. This actually was kind of good. 
I actually didn't mind it at all. So the show starts with a lot of um, getting ready scenes, you know, seeing them show up in New York, pulling out of the cars um, individually. I'm wondering if they like work that out. Production was like nine o'clock, you show up, nine oh five, you show up, nine oh nine ten, because no one's showing up at the same time, right? I always find a lot of enjoyment out of these like behind the scenes clips because I like to see, and I don't know if you guys are the same here, I like to see how these women um, talk to the people that work for them, right? They know they're on camera, so you don't, you're not getting a fully like transparent, clear um, vision of who they are and what they do, but you are getting, um, you're getting basically a feeling of um, just how they are with their drivers, how they are with the producers that walk in. It's just kind of interesting to see, and I'm 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 feeling it, and I'm liking it. I'm really liking to watch that. What I noticed, everyone was so kind. Like even like everyone was like, "Hi, hi, good morning, good morning, thank you." Reun, um, uh, Monica was the only one that was like a little bit more. But Monica, I think, is just like so new to this fame, and she's just like, "I have to be a celebrity." That's what my feeling is. You see them all kind of walking onto the set separately. This was interesting. Never really saw that before. Um, Meredith shows up first with her purse and her spray tan. The best thing is that Andy's like, your purse? And she's like, I have lots of notes. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like maybe a manila envelope, maybe a like a little pad like this. Um, maybe just like a little clutch. She came in. I don't even have a purse this big. She came in with a full like Birkin right? She had a lot of notes in there. A lot of notes were going on in there. Whitney showed up and listen, I, I think all these women are so freaking stunning. I have nothing like I have no notes, but sometimes the way that they dress and the way that they style themselves is so out of control. So all of them had spray tans that lasted a century, but Whitney's outfit choices, Whitney's look was so odd. I'm going to pull it up for you guys and I'll just show it to you if you're, if you're watching here on, um, on YouTube, but I'm sure if you guys watched it, you, how can you forget? How can you forget that look? It was, it was as if someone here, this is a little video of her. She's sitting there. She's wearing an outfit that looks like she bought it at the limited two. Forever 21, like Claire's, it was just so not classy. It had these like crazy designs up on top. She was wearing 15 different necklaces. Something was up with her face. I don't know what filler she got. I don't know if she did something with her lip. I don't know if she did something interesting and in her, she looked different. Her makeup was crazy. It was a lot. It, it really looked like prom gone wrong. I didn't get it because I think Whitney is stunning. And she is such a less is more for me, but I didn't like it um, personally. Andy Cohen, a lot of you guys thought he sounded either like he came out of dental surgery, like he was drunk. He definitely had a very raspy voice. I don't know if he was sick or if he was coming off of, you know, a partying weekend. I don't know. I didn't hear a slur of any sort. I just heard there was a little bit. He def definitely did sound different, but I'm not sure. Heather Gay looked, in my opinion, stunning. Lisa Barlow, also beautiful. Angie looks like Angie's face doesn't move. Even if they're all so, so filled. 
and so Botoxed up. But I actually believe that Angie, if she was in front, you know how like, let me try to think of like what I could use as an example. Like if you could went to a car wash, you know how when you go to a car wash and like they have those like, like vacuum dryers that like, you know, they dry the outside of your car. If you drive through a car wash, like I think Angie could stand in one of those vacuum dryers, like full blast. And her face would not move because her face doesn't move. Even when she talks, this is how she talks. And that's why she never really has a lot of expression because how can you have expression when you don't really talk? That being said, Angie came to play last night, Angie K. Did you know she's Greek? Love, love. Um, Let's think what else. Oh yeah, Monica, she crazy, but that woman is hot in my opinion. She's so pretty. She's lost a ton of weight. I don't know if you noticed that. Like I, I found it very um, evident that she's probably like lost 10 to 20 pounds since, since she was shooting the show. Cause like her whole body is so much smaller. Her face is smaller. Her arms are smaller. Her dress is stunning. I mean, she, she, I know she's got a lot of work done as well. Like her lips are clearly really, really filled, but she, to me looks very, very pretty. I've always thought she was a pretty woman though. So I was actually surprised. I thought for sure she would have, um, I thought for sure she would have like come in later in the reunion, but no. And listen to this, you guys, this is her first season on a show that has been on for four seasons and she got prime seating on the couch. She's never not coming back to the show. Of course she's coming back. You cannot get rid of seat number one unless she says no. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. So look, at first they start kind of just asking questions and talking about various things. Um, You know how they do, how Andy just goes around and talks to all of them. One of the biggest conversations at the very beginning was about Monica's struggle about not having money. Now, remember this, and I've got the footage to prove it. Receipts, proof, screenshots, timelines. I've got the footage to prove it. If you go back and watch an episode of Daily Dose right after that episode, I said, I like Monica. I actually really did like Monica that first episode. I was like, she is relatable. She's real. She is me when I was a kid going to school in Beverly Hills and had no money. She's me. Like, I was so connected to her story in those early episodes that she was just trying her best, working her hardest and just felt like she didn't have a lot of money and she was, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. I really liked that storyline and it was really relatable. But then of course, everything else started to come out. And then I realized like, oh my God, this woman is totally like a diabolical, right? The ring. Let's talk about the ring for a second. I love how Lisa's like, well, I've only said the ring three times. I only said $60,000 three times. Okay. Now she sounds like Meredith. Everyone's the same. They're all becoming the same. Angie, Lisa, and Meredith are all the same person now. But but Angie's Greek. So Lisa talks about the ring. Now, I fully understand Lisa's devastation over this ring. Call it 60000 because it was 60000 but call it, but even if it was 1000 or $500 or $100, when you get something that's sentimental, it's devastating to lose, right? When you get something that, is something that is very important to you. It hurts so hard to lose it. And I personally do not feel like she acted so outrageous 
over losing that ring. The editing also could have increased the amount of time she said $60,000 or really kind of pushed that on. I think she got that ring as a token of her two healthy boys from her husband. Guys, of course you would be devastated. The ring was never found. Now, there was a rumor that went around, and Dumois had posted this, that Monica possibly had stolen it. What do you guys think? I don't think Monica stole it, but it also seems freaking insane that the ring was never found, unless it went in the toilet. If it went in the toilet and went down the drain, that's that, right? But if it went anywhere else other than the toilet, meaning on the floor, in any cracks, in a trash can, it would have been found because I imagine that Lisa wasn't like letting them not look through trash, et cetera. But I just don't think she stole it. Maybe I'm insane to believe anything she says, but I just don't think she stole it. Um, Lisa has a really hard time communicating well. And... There's nothing worse in conversations when you're talking to someone and they don't shut up. And I'm someone that does this. <laughs> I've been known to talk too much many a times in my life, many, many a times. So I'm not shocked by this and I'm not surprised by the fact that she, uh, you know, wants to kind of tell her side of the story. But Lisa doesn't listen as much as she speaks. And sometimes when you do that and all you're worried about is getting your side of the story out, but you're not w willing to listen to someone else's experience, um, I think it looks bad, right? It looks bad and it also doesn't make the other person feel better. So this happened a couple times. It happened during that conversation and then it happened a little bit later when we were having the conversation about, well, it happened like multiple times last night with Whitney. Whitney's best friend died during the show. We all saw that. And Lisa was really not on air from what we saw and what like was filmed. It really didn't feel like Lisa was genuinely concerned about Whitney. Now, we've talked about this many times about how certain people deal with grief, right? When people go through a hard time, you start to recognize how your friends deal. And your friends tend to go through... Um, some of your friends are the first people for you, there for you when you're going through a grieving time or some, a struggle. And some people don't know how to act or are triggered by it and, and leave you in the dust. You start to recognize a lot about people when you go through hard times. Lisa, it's possible, may just not be the kind of person that is able to care for someone during a grieving time. It may make her uncomfortable. Maybe she's better at sending flowers. Maybe she's better at sending a, a gift. So I don't know. All I know is that she, um, you know, she basically was not very much there for Whitney in that, in that scene. And so I can understand Whitney's side. But Lisa just doesn't stop talking. And even when Whitney was trying to explain to Lisa the day of that party, that it's always about you, Lisa. It's always about, she didn't even stop talking for a second to say, what do you mean? Explain that to me. She was like, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not about, it's me. I already said, I, 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 she cuts everyone off and it's so hard to like connect with someone like that. Just stop and listen. And she did it again when she had a thing with Angie, right? When she went through that whole, is Angie and Monica, are they friends? Are they not? I didn't know who I was supporting. I didn't know what whatever. 
Um, Meredith. Meredith had a fun little part because, of course, we had to talk about the rumors of the husband, husband. Andy Cohen did a great job uh, rereading a question about what did you mean, Meredith, when you were talking about the rumors of the husband? Meredith brought out her suitcase, her Birkenbag suitcase with all her notes, her attache case, her, her briefcase. She was on trial. She brought out a page of notes and she had exactly word for word what she said. Now, Meredith was trying to play smart here and say, I never talked about the marriage. I just talked about the husband. Okay, well, um, I want to know one situation where someone says, I have information on the husband, the husband, but it won't affect your marriage, right? The nastiness in the room, the nastiness in the room was the husband, the husband. Um, Meredith was trying to get off there easily. One thing I will say about Meredith is either she's on so many benzos or so many like pain relaxers or something, or she's had just so much Botox, or she's just really emotionally mature and has gone through so much therapy. This woman hardly reacts. She almost doesn't react to anything ever, ever. <laughs> like she just doesn't react. The only time we ever really saw her react was you can leave. And then she got really upset at the finale episode when she went after Monica finally. But throughout the series or the, the season, we kind of just didn't see Meredith react. I find it really like admirable. I almost wish I could do that. I almost wish I was able to just not really react to people and just sit back. In fact, I think that shows a lot of emotional maturity that you can, you know, be upset, but you don't need to overreact, scream and cry and all of that. So that's what I'm working on. Beta blockers, Josh says. That's not a bad idea. We should all be on some beta block. I don't know if beta blockers calm you down, like in terms of your personality. I think it just calms your heart rate, but maybe Meredith just doesn't know the difference. Anyway, Meredith, I mean, I like Meredith. I don't know. There's like, I go back and forth with Meredith all the time. I really like Lisa Barlow and this is problematic. I know because she's just not perfect, but there's something about her that just, I need to watch at all times. She just puts a smile on my face. I don't know why. Whitney almost was like non-existent in yesterday's episode. And when she did talk after Monica was talking, you recognize the monotoneness of Whitney. Like Whitney was, Monica was like, oh, please, like you have to stop and da 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 And then Whitney's like, you know, I started to realize that when I was in a relationship with Justin and I had an affair and then I realized that his ring didn't fit him and I married a big man. My man is big. I have a big man. It's so funny. It's so funny. I just like, I I, I just can't. I just can't. She's so like, where, where is the personality in Whitney? It's so odd. Um, Monica was not holding back. Monica, like Ray texted me last night. She goes, have you watched the reuni reunion? Monica is just like Bethany. She gives zero Fs. And she really does. It's so crazy. It's like, she's like, my life has already been ruined. I might as well just keep on ruining it. She's like, it's like she beats people at their game because she's self-deprecating her, for herself. She's like, I am the whore that had an affair with the brother-in-law for 18 months, that got excommunicated out of the church, that has no money, single mom, raising my kids alone, and I'm in a 3,000-square uh, 3, house, right? I was pretty surprised with that. By the way, I want to say something. 
I live in Los Angeles. It's a town that it's impossible to, uh, you know, live financially because it's so damn expensive. And I'm in the heart of the valley. I'm not like out in some suburb. Our house, which is very, very um, hard to afford, is 1,800 square feet. I live in a shoebox. When she said 3,000 square foot house, I was like, wait, I'm jealous. Like, I want Monica. Now, I'm not joking. Our house is 1,800 square feet. Maybe, like, give or take. It's, like, I would take a 3,000 square foot house in a heartbeat. I would not take Monica's life, that's for sure. She did talk a little bit openly about this affair that she had with her brother-in-law. You know, she slept with her husband's sister's husband. The husband. The nastiness in the room is about the husband. Husband. For 18 months. She was then excommunicated from the, the, I was going to say the Morgan Church, the Morgan Wade Church, the Mormon Church. And then she had to get re-communicated or re-baptized in the Mormon Church, which Heather was actually explaining is incredibly hard. You have to go through so much training. You have to get approval from people. I mean, you really have to go and, and like beg for forgiveness, which is probably the most humbling experience. And Monica got really emotional about that. We didn't hear a lot about that side of the story. We didn't get a lot of vulnerability from Monica except to talk about her not having a lot of money. (laughs) She also has gone on um, her Instagram today and has talked about the fact that the reason why she got divorced was actually because um, she said the affair happened over a decade ago. No, that's not the reason for our divorce. I understand you all having questions and trying to figure out the reason for the divorce now. I've debated answering this publicly or not. However, when I did apply to be on the show, I had planned on bringing awareness to the subject and speaking about it openly. Another subject, which was discussed several times along with others that wasn't shown in the email that was shown on last night's episode. I'll get to the email in a second. The reason for our divorce was because of domestic violence. My ex was arrested a couple times for domestic violence on me in front of our girls and violations of protective orders. I had hoped to speak about it on the show to better explain why things are the way they are in my life now, to bring awareness to women dealing with this issue and to help them see that they are not alone. I hope anyone going through this issue knows that I am with you. I hope you see that you can move on from this terrible situation and begin to give your children a better life away from those circumstances that there is life after abuse, that it wasn't your fault, and that you have tribes of people ready to carry you through. And then she talked about in her caption about the domestic violence hotline and how you're not alone. Um, I believe both is true. I believe she absolutely, this is a true story, I'm sure. Um, I wish she, I wish we got to hear more of that story. Um, Sometimes things like that can cause a lot of trauma and pain and, you know, you can act out in different ways. All I know is, I mean, this is awful. And of course, like sending her, you know, all the love for that, it doesn't necessarily excuse any other behavior, but it is a very sad story. Um, She talks, all I know about is, all I know is this. (laughs) This woman has screwed up her kids. Not because of the domestic violence. Those kids are ready we're, we're struggling and, and suffering, obviously, if they were in a situation where they got to see their dad getting arrested for domestic violence against their mom. However, when you are kept in a situation like this, you have a couple choices, I think, as a parent to try to better your children's life. And going on a reality show 
to tear other women down, to attack other people, to expose your toxic relationship with their grandma. All these things does do not make for a better life for your kids. And maybe you're looking for money and fame, which clearly she was because Heather Heather Gay pulled out a voice text or a voice message that she had said that she, her plan was to be, you know, Kim Kardashian, who started out as Paris Hilton's assistant and then became Kim Kardashian. So clearly her goal in life was money and fame, which it's working. But if that was for to better her kids' lives, I hope she understands that she has completely thrown that opportunity way into the ground. There is absolutely no way in a million years that her kids, especially the older ones that are old enough to be able to watch the show, they're on Instagram for sure. They're seeing all this shit. There is no way that her kids are not affected heavily by the fact that her mom, their mom completely ran, ran a troll account, a troll Instagram account, lied her face off, was out to like take other women down and then went on a TV show to talk about it. It's shocking to me. Like, you can't say I've tried to give my daughters a good life and I've tried to change ways and I've tried to not be as toxic as my mom and then act this way. None of it makes any sense, right? None of it makes any sense. Um, she got caught in another lie last night when she talked about her email to casting. Number one, she says, which I don't believe, that she worked with Jen Shaw because she was a friend of hers. She became a friend of hers. She didn't even know she was on the show. Bullshit. She became a friend of hers. And then she, you you can't tell me you live in Salt Lake City and you're a person like Monica and you're not aware of who's on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Please, okay? She um, she became friends with, with Jen Shaw and just worked for her for free and then became her assistant and then applied to be on the show. Okay. Um, Monica said in her application email, she said, your show is shit. Your ratings are shit and you need, you know, someone like me to make it better. Number one, what? Can you imagine like the producers listening to that? Bravo listening to that. Andy Cohen listening to that. It's like so crazy. She has no filter. And then she said, um, you know, that's what I said in the email. Well, <laughs> I love the editing that pulled up the actual email to casting, which was basically, you guys need a feisty Latina to, you know, change things up. She said, you need the show, you need me for your show. But anyone would say that if you're applying to be on a show. That doesn't mean you're saying your show is horrible. Um, Angie came out with some anger towards Monica, real anger about the rumor, about spreading the rumor about Sean on national TV, which was not okay. Monica said, I didn't say it. I didn't spread it. I repeated it. Again, semantics. And Monica literally like kept tearing Angie a new one, but Angie was not affected by it whatsoever. Monica called her a bench warming B-I-T-C-H. And Monica and Angie kept saying, you big mouth, you disgusting, you like, da, da, da. they went back and forth. I mean, these words that these women are telling each other, why do we watch the show again? Like, why are we doing this to ourselves again? It's like pretty crazy to think about the fact that we choose to put this in our lives. It's crazy. Josh says, do you guys think that these shows bring the worst out in people or are they already kind of shady? I would say these shows take characters that have the ability to be ruthless. 
because if you're a character on a reality show and you don't have an ability to go low or go mean or go crazy or be cunning or be talk shit about everyone, then you're not a good reality star. So they take people that have the potential to be shady and also people that honestly don't struggle a lot with what people think of them. It would be very hard for me. I couldn't do that because I care too much. Um, anyway, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. I'm interested to see how much more comes out. Of course, we have Mary coming on the show. Mary, who is there apparently to provide um, defense for Monica, which is just unreal. But Mary, Mary's just so funny to watch because you can't take her seriously, right? She goes, that's inexcusable that they're being tough on you. I mean, Mary, what? She's behind reality Von Teese. Like, what do you mean? Why wouldn't you be like shocked that they would come after her? Anyway, it's really, uh, it's entertaining. That's entertainment. Wonder why we're just all failing as a nation. I love you guys. I will see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining Daily Dose of Donna. Thank you for subscribing, all the comments, all the follows, all the love. Thank you. Appreciate you. And I will see you uh, manana. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.